Every day we wake up, we don't have to feel anxious. We don't have to wake up fearing of what's going to happen today. What shall I do? Because we're just called to live by faith. Live by faith. Let's turn in our Bibles to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter number 11. Chapter number 11. Hebrews chapter number 11, we're going to read from verse 1 to verse 6. I titled this message, What Does God Think? What Does God Think? So when this year began, you may have heard, or uh, you may have heard of a specific word that's been repeated throughout of this, this year, really. It's that word, upgrade. 2023 is Grace Baptist Church's upgrade year. Now, for me, when I started 2023, I framed the year in four different words. What does God think? What does God think? I had realized something about my personal Christian life. I've been a Christian now since 2011. And for the longest time, I had always worried about what my peers thought of me more than what does God think of me. It mattered to me how I came across to others. It mattered to me what I looked like. It mattered to me what I sounded like. Was I too loud? Was I too quiet? I wondered if I was godly. Did I look godly? I wondered if I would be something of a model Christian. I wondered what others thought of me. But clearly, there was a truth since 2011 when I got saved. There was clearly a truth that I was failing to grasp, that the Bible on a constant basis is trying to teach us. The Bible very much goes out of its way to tell us this one message. And in this message, I want to talk of what I found about God through his word and how that had impacted me into changing my outlook in 2023 and from here on out for the rest of my life. This is a four-point message, and we're going to go through the four points, but first we'll open up in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for today. I thank you, Lord, for the special music and the choir And Lord, how how much it ministers to our hearts, the fact that we know that you're with us, and Lord, uh, now that you're ministering to our hearts, and I pray, Lord, that as I minister as well from the pulpit, that these would not be my words, Lord, that you would speak through me, and Lord, help us to grasp the concept of having the mind of Christ in our hearts, in our minds. I pray, Lord, for every Christian here, and Lord, that you would speak to us today in this message, and even throughout this week, Lord. We thank you and praise you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So Hebrews chapter number 11, verse 1 to 6. I'll read and you can follow along here. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders 
obtained a good report. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For, being, uh, for before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I want to cue in here. I want to focus on verses 1 to 3 for the first point. Who is God? In order to know what does God think, we have to first understand who is God. Now, in order to answer this question of what does God think, we need to have gone through the entire Bible. Now, in this sermon, we can't go through the entire Bible. We're going to be stuck here for about a week to try and go through the entire Bible to figure out what and who is God. But there are three key passages that I want to zoom in on. And the first ones are these first three verses. From verse 1 to verse 3. Now by faith, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Now, these passages are telling us that God communicates using a faith, using a substance called faith. Without faith, we cannot comprehend what this book says to us. It is through faith that we understand how God can fine-tune the universe. It's through faith we understand how certain times particles and atomic particles are making up the body that we are made of. And the biggest forces and the smallest forces in this universe are not counteracting, but God, by His grace and through His provision, is holding everything together through faith. God doesn't have to exert any effort to hold the universe together. That's our God. And I think there's a hymn that summarizes this very nicely, if you could put it up there. I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. An excerpt from How Great Thou Art. See, faith also allows us to understand that though we cannot see God, we can still know Him through His Word. And then there's another passage that explains how good God is to us. The blessings he bestows on us every single day. There's John 21, verse 25. You could turn there. John 21 and verse 25. It says... And there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which, if they should be written every one, I suppose that even the, the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. 
Here the Apostle John is explaining that all the books in the world cannot contain the greatness of Jesus Christ. There was a study that was done, and it was a rough calculation by the International Data Corporation. You could put the International Data Corporation there. That's the name of the company. And what they did was a rough calculation of how much information has existed uh, pre-internet era. And then they also did a rough calculation of what is the size of the internet itself. So what they came up with is that right now, 64 zettabytes is what is the internet made up of. 64 zettabytes. Okay, what does that mean? Well, they say also in two years, they're going to hit 175 zettabytes. This is the amount of data that's on the internet right now. In two years, it's going to hit 175 zettabytes. To help you understand, I'm going to draw up a chart for you. So, here's a gigabyte. One gigabyte. And then the next one. A thousand gigabytes, you may have already heard, is one terabyte. Let's keep going. A thousand terabytes is called one petabyte. A thousand petabytes is called one exabyte. A thousand exabytes is one zettabyte. So, one zettabyte is one billion terabytes. Okay, that's a lot more than what my phone can handle. All right? And so this is what the internet is made of. And so the former CEO of Google, his name was Eric Schmidt, he estimated that there is about half a zettabyte of data that was created from the beginning of humanity until 2003. Now, sometimes when numbers are thrown at us, we have no idea what is, what do they mean? What is the scale of these numbers? I have a small video for you. And this video, try and understand that <clears throat> one square, one cube millimeter as a byte. Now take a look at that video. So one byte is equal to one letter. One kilobyte is about a very short story. And we keep going and we're at the size of a can. And now we're at a megabyte, which is about the size of a novel. And we keep going and we're at a hundred now. And there you go, you have a van full of pages and that's worth one gigabyte. A terabyte is way bigger than a car or a man. And as you keep going, it gets bigger than even a building at 10 terabytes. And now it's taller than the Statue of Liberty at one petabyte. That's an exabyte. And there's your zettabyte. One zettabyte is bigger than the island of Manhattan. Just to give you scale, we may not ever understand how big we're going to get. But taking into account what the Apostle John is saying, that the whole world's books cannot contain 
what Jesus has done. Taking into account, there's a hymn. Could we with ink the ocean fill, and were the skies of parchment made, were every stock on earth a quill, and every scribe by trade, to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. That's an excerpt from the love of God. We may never understand how much God actually loves us. Who is God? We may never understand and comprehend how much we can drain the oceans and still not be able to comprehend how much God loves us. And then we get to the last piece to understand who God is, is Revelations 22, verse 6 to 7. And it's a quick quote here, I'm going to say. And he said unto me, these, these sayings are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. This final passage is showing us that everything we can ever know about God is only found in this book. Only in your Bible. That's the only way to know who God is. So everything found in the Bible is true. That's what this passage is saying. From the beginning to the end, everything is true. Everything that God wanted for us to know is within these pages. And there is coming a day when we will also all meet our maker. And that could be a comforting thought or it can be a scary thought for one of us today. But these three passages are just going quickly to try and figure out, okay, who is God? Now let's see, what does he think? The Bible is good at pointing out what God thinks about us. We see men throughout the Old Testament who went out by faith from their home countries. Like Abraham, we have men like Moses. We have men like Joshua. If you're back in Hebrews chapter number 11, we have also women who just from hearing the news of God's might trusted God for their salvation. We have women like Rahab and Ruth. We have also some men like Barak and Gideon and Samson, who despite all the odds decided we're going to trust God with the results. They were outnumbered by their enemies. God's thoughts of them was that they were faithful. They were full of faith. That's what it means. And the, the world was not even worthy of them. Take a look at verse number 38 and 39. Hebrews 11 38 and 39. It says within parenthesis, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. Now we're, we're, uh, we're talking about how God thinks here. And God's thoughts toward the unsaved or the backslidden person can also be seen in Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah 55 verse 7 to 9, I'm just going to quote it here. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. 
and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. It's similar to the prodigal son. As the prodigal son went and he squandered all, his, all of his father's wealth, he came back with a repentant heart to his father. The father ran. The father ran towards the son. The father took up his loins. Uh, he took up the cloth that was around his loins and he ran towards his son. And not only that, the father forgave the son. The father ran towards the young man and he dressed him up. He dressed him up not just with any kinds of clothes, with royal clothing. And he didn't make him just a frozen dinner. He made him a feast and he slayed the fatted calf to a son who had squandered everything. These are the thoughts that God has towards us. That's how God takes care of people who want to come out of their sin. Majority of people care about what they see on the outside. Oftentimes we're told, especially in the world, don't judge a book by its cover, but truth is, humans are humans. We're going to judge everything by its cover, no matter what. People are people. And when it comes to the people who have lost everything, or who seem evil or downtrodden in society, oftentimes society will start to close them off. But God shows mercy and kindness. So we come today even to Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Keep your finger here in Hebrews and turn to Jeremiah 20, 29. Jeremiah 29, and verse 11. It was quoted this morning as well. But I love this verse. Because it says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. To give you an expected end. Imagine how you would feel Imagine how we would feel if we were the prodigal son who had squandered everything and now we were repentant and coming back to God and all throughout that whole time, God's thoughts toward us were peace. God, despite my failures, despite my anxiety, despite what I, what I think of people and what I think people think of me, you think peace towards me? And then we get to number three. Who am I? Who am I in the sight of God? When my dignity is gone, and when there is no ego left, and everything that I can take pride in, everything that deviant has been known to do or be, after all of that is gone, what will define me? Would my legacy on this earth be of any use to anyone? Will it have got, would it have gotten more people closer to God? When I leave, would, be, would people feel as if they were pushed 
more towards God or further away? When I die, what will my tombstone say? And the question is, would it even matter? Because taking those things into consideration, does it really matter what people think? Why should we care about what people think of us? God should be the one that I should want to please. Right? It's quiet. Because in the end, what did God think of me? What does God think? Reading through the book of Hebrews in chapter 11, God enumerates all these incredible people and what had mattered was that they stayed faithful. You see how Abraham had messed up, but then what's remembered in Hebrews 11 was that he was a faithful man. You see a guy named Jacob and how he wrestled with God to know what God did think of him. Abraham full well knowing that he was taking his future, his son, Isaac, up this Mount Moriah to sacrifice. Because in Abraham's mind, what really mattered was, what does God think? You have a man, Joseph. He was betrayed by his 11 other brothers. Sent off, sold to Egypt. And the guy ends up becoming the prime minister, the most powerful man of the time, outside of the pharaoh. When he could have just snapped his fingers and said, be gone, because Jacob, my dad, is dead, and you guys betrayed me. I could snap my fingers and call all the Egyptian army to take you guys away. But in the end, what mattered was what did God think of me? His response was, ye meant it for evil, but God meant it unto good. What mattered was God, what God thought of him. What did God think of his situation? What am I to God? I'm so weak. I care about what people think of me. I care of such fragile things. Shallow things, perhaps. And things that I have no control over sometimes. Take a look at Psalm chapter 8. Psalm chapter 8. I realized my struggle, I'm not alone. David went through the same thing. Psalm chapter 8, verse 4 to 8. Here's what it says. What is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field and the fowl of the air and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the seas. Truth is, we have a beautiful family. I think every one of us could say that we have a family better than we deserve. 
I think we can all say that we all have a home to go to where most of our comforts are. And if you have kids, I'm sure we can all say that we have wonderful kids whom we hope will one day continue to further God's kingdom. But what does God think of all the things we do have and don't? See, I found myself that I was often sitting where you were, or perhaps in the sound booth, and I was oftentimes pessimistic about my attitude when it comes to preaching. I know that I'm not a good communicator, and I know that I lack a lot of communication skills. And I don't know if people even want to listen oftentimes. And I also know when I'm there, I am similar to another man named Moses, who is making every excuse possible to say, you know, I'm not a good communicator. I don't think people will listen to me. And uh, I just lack the skills. Do you think there's someone else? Oftentimes when I've been called to preach or called to give a devotional, I didn't feel like I was the right man to do it. And now I have my wife beside me, and how will I take care of her? For a majority of my life, I had been living with my parents. And now I'm with my own family. I'm with my own wife. And how can we afford things? And I wish my relationships with people could be better, but oftentimes I find myself that my relationships are often clashing because of my personality. It's a very abrasive personality. What can I do? I'm almost 30. What can I do? Why do I struggle with such little things? What is wrong with me? And so maybe you find yourself somewhere in there too. Maybe you can find yourself in some of these things because we're going to get to number four. What should I do? What should I do? And the antidote was given by Jesus Christ himself. Matthew chapter number six. Matthew chapter number six. We're quickly going to go through it. Verse number 25 is where we're going to begin. What should I do? What God thinks is really the only thing that matters. Living by faith, not by sight, is the only thing that matters. Philippians 2.5 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So what will please you, God? What will please you, God? What shall I do to live a godly Christian life? If you're at chapter number 6, verse 25 to 26. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? So let's stop worrying about our necessities. We don't live to please people in this life. We don't live to please our flesh in this life either. Christians don't need to worry of such things. 
Something else is that, something else to note about the Jews when they understand this verse, they also understand that a bird is one of the lowest grades of meat that exists. Because back then, if a Jew was to bring a burnt offering to the temple, if they couldn't afford the bullock and if they couldn't afford the goat or the sheep or the lamb, they would bring fowl. They would bring a bird. So it's the lowest of the lowest of the grades of meat. So Jesus, in this case, is actually pointing out a rhetorical, look, this is the lowest of the lowest, and I died for you, so your sins could be forgiven, because you are much more valuable to me than all of those things. God is so good. God is really good. So there is no need to worry for the necessities in life. Then we get to number 27. Verse 27, look at this. Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? You can't change how you look. God has made you the way you are. And then verse 28 to 30, it says, And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. We work so hard oftentimes on how we look and how we appear to people. But take and consider the lilies. A lily is actually a very simple flower. And oftentimes they're growing all around the world. And when a lily blooms, it lets out a really, really nice scent. And oftentimes, people like to capture the scent. But somewhere, somewhere in the world where there is no civilization, where no one can see the lily, God bothered to make that lily bloom. And God bothered to water that lily. Why wouldn't he bother to help us? If nobody was there to even smell that lady, but Jesus is here, why should we worry about our appearances? And then we get to verse 32. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. So God does know. God knows. I know, the biggest revelation of the year, right? God knows. <laughs> And he does something about it too. Every day. Every day we wake up. We don't have to feel anxious. We don't have to wake up fearing of what's going to happen today. What shall I do? Because we're just called to live by faith. Live by faith. And 6.33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So there is really no point to have fear and anxiety, to stress about things. I'm better off stressing about what does God think. So let me conclude with verse number 34 here. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. So tomorrow is coming. But let's stop worrying. Let's stop worrying about the future, folks. Let's take a step of faith today. 
Let's start thinking about what does God think about us? What does God think about what we do? And how things are. And let's start making proper and godly changes in our life. Tomorrow is an uncertain day. We won't know what will hit us. We won't know if we'll get hit. But that's still fine. Because we have a God that will take care of us. That's the promise. Men and young men in here. I got saved at a young age. I was naive about how the world worked. But God hasn't once given up on me. God hasn't once forgotten to provide for me. Finishing high school, I had decided to step out by faith and to enter Bible college. It was one of the greatest decisions I ever decided to make. Every step of the way, year after year, when I wasn't sure if God was going to provide, God provided. He provided just enough of the necessary finances to pay and live comfortably. I didn't actually have to worry about a spouse either. God took care of that somehow. And looking back on how it all took place, I, honestly, it is one of the greatest miracles I could ever think of. But she is more than I could ever have imagined she would be. Now, you may be in high school, or you may have finished high school just recently. But stop wondering what your friends will think. Stop wondering what your parents or relatives will think. And start to wonder, what does God really think of this, where I am right now? I invite you to try at least one year. At least one year, and put God to the test. So 2023, the year of upgrades. Perhaps it could also be the year where you upgrade from, hey, what do you think? To, Lord, what do you think? So I want to encourage you to run the test. Run the test before every decision. Before every decision you make, ask yourself, what does God think of this? What does God think about my involvement in soul winning and flyering? What does God think about my involvement in choir ministry? What does God think about my super church ministry? What does God think about my ushering ministry? What does God think about my sound booth ministry? What does God think about my attendance in church? What does God think about my neighbors? What does God think of my enemies? What does God think about my life? If this was what we always kept in mind, I think there's a very high chance that we may actually see revival. So, to conclude, may God find a beautiful and glorious church here at Grace Baptist Church. When all's been said and done, may He find a beautiful church. May God find in you and me a faithful Christian. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.